Hi everybody and welcome to this panel discussion with Visible and Visuals. Thank you so much for joining us. Visible and Visuals is a new online platform pushing to make the animation and VFX industries more diverse and inclusive through honest and open conversation. They're committed to making the people behind the visuals more visible. It's founded by Tanya J. Scott, who hosted a brilliant panel discussion with us in June about how we can all work to make the animation industry more inclusive, and Hodden Abdi, who's chairing this panel today. We're thrilled to welcome back Tanya, along with Hodden and this brilliant panel of creatives working across different roles in animation for a discussion and Q&A focusing on routes into different careers in animation and advice for those looking to get into the industry. If you have questions at any time, please feel free to put them in the live chat. Uh, and that's enough from me. I'll hand you over to Hodden to introduce the panel. Welcome, Hodden. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm Hodden Abdi um, from Illuminated Films and I'm a production coordinator, but I won't be talking today. I'm here to talk to these lovely people. So um, can I get um, Paula to introduce herself? Just uh, your name, uh, your job title and how long you've been working in the industry. So uh, my name is Paula. And I am a line producer. I have been working in the industry um, for about 10 years. And then, you know, um, before that, I was doing advertising production and film festivals. So, yeah, it's been a while. Hi, Bella. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, Thank you. Jamie? Uh, hi, my name's Jamie, uh, Jamie Isles, and I'm a storyboard artist, and I've been in the animation industry for nearly 10 years. Welcome, Jamie. <laughs> Tanya? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Tanya J. Scott. I am an animation art director and illustrator based in London, and I've been working in animation for about 10 years. Hi, Tanya. <laughs> Praveen? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Praveen. Uh, I'm a 2D rigger at Fourth Wall Animation. Uh, I freelance as a graphic artist and motion graphics designer, and to date I've been working in the industry for five years. Welcome, Praveen. Zoran? Hi, everyone. I'm Zoran. I'm currently working as animation director on the rubbish world of Dave Spud. Hello everyone, um, I'm Bimpy Aliu and I'm a concept artist at Industrial Light and Magic and I think I might be the greenest here. Um, I've been in the industry now for about four and a half years. No worries, there's no, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Your experience is um, <laughs> perfect for this panel, especially because we're talking about how we can get people into the industry and questions like this. So. Um, Let's start with how everybody got into the industry. Does anyone want to go first? Tanya? I'll go first. Um, thank you, Ice. Um, I didn't have a particularly interesting route into the industry. It's pretty typical. Um, so I didn't do a foundation, which I know a lot of people do generally do before they do a BA in animation, but I, went, I just had a gap year and then um, went straight to university. So I studied at the University of the West of England in Bristol and I did a BA in animation. Um, and from there I was really lucky. So I, I really tried hard to network while I was there. I did a lot of volunteering at events and festivals um, and that really set me in good stead. So after that I got my first job at Ardman Animations and I've been lucky enough to work ever since. I'm going to go with Zoran. <laughs> hey, 
So, um, yeah, quite similar to Tanya, I did do the foundation though as well. Um, but other than that, yeah, I went to uni, I went to um, what was the Glamorgan Centre of Art and Design Technology. It's, it's now part of University of South Wales based in the, in, I was lucky enough to get a role in animation pretty soon straight after. Um, and uh, yeah, again, like Tanya said, I've been lucky to get through from job to job ever since, um, mainly based in Bristol and Cardiff. Paula? So I went a little bit of a different route. I did film and media studies um, BA in Scotland and I graduated in 2008, which was a recession, so jobs were scarce. Um, so I ended up in advertising and then from advertising, then I jumped into animation production via applying for lots of jobs and um, getting a lot of advice and mentoring for from people that I met in film festivals when I was working you know there um so yeah it's, it's not yeah a bit like this really but it worked <laughs> jamie um so i studied at ue um and studied a ba honors in animation uh back in 2008 from what i remember um and after doing those three years, I got a very short, sort of short-term job at Ardman, which set me up for what came after. Really? Yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, studied at Staffordshire University. Uh, I graduated in 2014 and I freelanced for almost like a year and a half. And um, at the time, uh, I was in Manchester. Brownback Films had just established a second studio in Manchester, and uh, I was just keeping an eye on tabs. And then, uh, but in the meantime, I was volunteering at um, a few animation festivals, including the Manchester Animation Festival, the very first one, in fact, um, in 2015. And I met a person there by the name of Emma Fernando, and we just spoke, uh, and then we. Uh, a month later, she said, there's a job called a 2D renderer job. Would you be interested? I said, yeah. And then I went for the interview and uh, stuck there for about four years. And then at the time, Brownbag had had a learning and development program, which means that you can uh, basically go into any part of the department and learn from people. And then I managed to get a mentor specializing in 2D rigging. And right after I finished Brownbag, fourth wall was... Um, looking for 2D riggers, I applied for the job and uh, uh, got the job. And then two weeks after Mike's uh, got the job, Boris announced the national lockdown. So, <laughs> very lucky. <laughs> very fortunate, indeed. Um, Bimpy. Hello. Um, I guess mine is a little bit more long-winded, so bear with me. Um, but I kind of came into all of this. I'm in visual effects, so I came into this a little bit later. Um, my route initially started in wanting to do art and then my parents say no. So we found a compromise and I did history of art instead. So that's what I studied at university and then got to the end of doing that in Manchester and was like, no, this isn't what I <laughs> want to do. I want to actually be creating art. So then again, um, 
my parents said no <laughs> so I didn't create I didn't do art what I then went to do instead was digital marketing um, in music so I did that for a couple of years and whilst I was there um oh, I'm a massive comic fan as well so all the Marvel films were like coming out and I was just like this stuff is amazing I want to be part of this and that's the first time I actually started thinking about the process of how these things get made so after doing a little bit of research um, I then kind of found out about visual effects because I just didn't know it was a thing. And then through that, I found out about concept art and art direction. And again, I just didn't know that I could be an artist and like I could actually have a job as an artist working on art, working on films. I didn't, I think I just assumed that these things just came out of thin air. So after that, um, for that, I then decided to then go back to university for a year. So I went, I moved up to Scotland to study visual effects and animation. And then from that, <laughs> I'm originally from London. After the course ended, the um, the course took a trip down to London to visit some visual effects studios. And we saw a few of them. And one of them was Industrial Light and Magic. And um, at the time, they were offering um, work experience, basically, which would mean that you'd come in for the week, you would shadow the runners, you'd kind of get to talk to some of the artists that work there as well. So I applied to do that. I did that for the week and then a couple months later they called me back and um, because they had a runner position that had opened up so I asked if I wanted that and I was like yes please I will take this role um so came in as a runner and then after a couple of months then I got really lucky in that um I'd spoken previously about wanting to be in the art department at some point and then a position came up to be an art assistant. So then I interviewed for that, got the role for that. And then from art assistant, I eventually moved up to the role that I'm in now, which is concept artist. So yeah, a little bit longer <laughs> journey, <laughs> to be quite honest, but it worked out. No, not at all. And um, the next question I have for you guys is what does a normal day in the life of, say, I'm going to pick... Um, Let's go with Praveen, a rigger. What is a day in the life as a rigger like? Currently, um, I'm just working from home at the moment due to the current situation. <laughs> so, uh, no, so currently my average day is basically uh, I am usually assigned to do uh, props, car rigging props. So I get the design sheet from the uh, art department. Um, I just double check everything with them if it's you know if it's correct if the colors are right. Um, it's because we have to match the values <clears throat> to what I designed, and then I use what is called Toon Boom uh, Harmony to rig the prop. Um, and on average, I uh, rig about say three, four props a day, um, depending on how complicated it is or how easy it is. Um, and then it's reviewed by my lead rigger, and then it's then reviewed by the lead animators and now currently because it's a junior position uh at the moment <clears throat> i'm also helping out with the lead rigger for um with the character rigs as well so that involves a lot of um checking and adding substitutions on the hands feet like so on and so forth yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> thank you and then let's go with jamie storyboard artist you're muted <laughs> I completely forgot. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> I guess usually about a couple of times a week, I'll be in like a story meeting maybe. And I'll end up talking to my director or supervisor, especially at the moment about story problems or 
think questions like what the characters want or ways to punch up humor or drama in a script. Um, otherwise, I spend most of my time just drawing panels, and that's really my day, to be honest. That and playing Broforce. <laughs> <laughs> and um, line producer. Let's go with Paula. So line producer, I describe our jobs as firefighters, um, but like a normal day starts with me opening all the tabs with all the schedules that I have, all the production tracking software, and, you know, mm, making time to read all the emails uh, that had come from the previous day. And basically, you are the person in charge of like running the floor, but like we call it the floor, but like, you know, the studio. And depending on which stage in production you are, like usually in series you have different stages, um, you know, you just, you know, kind of like attend the different departments. Um, you have to check in with your coordinators to see how they're doing. Um, and then you just have to follow up on a million things since the show starts until the show ends. So I think one of the good things about being a line producer is like you're not in your own like square box. You know, like you have to have your eyes and hands on every single part of the process, which at some points can be very challenging, but at some points can be very rewarding because you can see, you know, how from nothing something is created into something. Um, so, yeah, lots of emails, lots of communication. Uh, depending on the production, you have a lot of meetings or not. Um, I try to minimize those because I, I really like people to be able to be, you know, like not in a meeting all the time and actually doing their job. Uh, and I'm, you know, um, so yeah, and check, checking in with the crew and um, just making sure that we're on track. And then if you're not on track, you have to find out why and how can you, you know, either keep things on track or like divide and conquer. Um, but most of the time it's just, um, just enabling the crew to do the, the job the best job that they can possibly can, really. So, yeah, that's my day. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go with Bimpy concept artist. Um, so it's kind of different every day, to be quite honest. You never really know sometimes what's going to be happening um, because we'll either be work because we work at various stages, well, at least at my company, we work at all stages, basically, of the production. So we'll either be working on pre-production, um, production itself, or post-production. And so the tasks kind of sometimes vary in that aspect. Obviously, if it's pre-production, then the focus will be working on kind of the story elements. So those could be story beats, or it could be character design, environment design, or it could be a session or meetings with the director or the VFX, or the, who would be the VFX supervisor on the client side to kind of figure out what it is that they're looking for so sometimes that could also just be rough quick ideas and sketches as well if it's production then that's a little bit of a mixture of still some of the elements that we'd have in pre-production and also kind of maybe more meetings getting more feedback so it could be spending time kind of making adjustments or working up new ideas or working on revisions to scripts um, and then in post-production I guess we're more in the kind of um yeah, that's when I guess it gets a little bit more kind of day to day where you kind of know what's going to be happening because I'll know if it's just a series of revisions that need to be made or I'll know that I have a client meeting, so I need to be there for that and therefore kind of revisions will be made with that. Or sometimes it could just be idea sessions um, or kind of having a little bit of time for idea sessions 
amongst the team it's a little bit more difficult now but google meet i guess so it still makes it a bit more possible but yeah it varies a little bit day to day at the moment and um, it's more i'm working more on post-production stuff so it is kind of making various adjustments to things but again even that can be different if your direction was one way but then after a meeting you find that the, there's a completely new direction so it may be that you're starting again or you're drastically changing a few elements so yeah I, for me that keeps it really interesting to be quite honest Let's go with art direction, Tanya. Um, so I guess um, it's quite difficult. So in my 10 years, I've worked in quite a wide variety of jobs, but my specialty is basically um, children's media and uh, cell action 2D. It's most of the work I, I do. So I'm going to talk about my um, average day as an art director on a 2D cell action series but saying that um, it varies production to production. But generally speaking, um, we'll have a look at the storyboard, we'll see what needs to be designed, what stuff can be reused. Um, we'll go through it, we'll make note of everything, and then we'll brief the designers and sort of tell them what they need to do. If there's a lot of new stuff, we might do some, I might do some key backgrounds, uh, do some sketches for some props, uh, and then the designers will basically do whatever's remaining. And then from that, it will go to rigging. Maybe. And then last but not least, <laughs> Zoran, animation director. Just caught me as <laughs> so I was having a sip. Uh, yeah, so as animation director, you're basically overseeing all the fantastic work that the animation team are doing. So most of the day is reviewing their work, uh, making sure that everything uh, sits together as the whole episode. So, you know, looking out for, you know, scenes hooking up and making sure that the animation standards, so obviously it depends on the production, but at the moment we turn out an episode roughly once a week. So once a week you'll do an episode briefing um, where you basically uh, explain what's going on with the episode to your animation team uh, make sure you know any sort of potential issues or potential challenges on the episode are talked about you know how you might sort of animate a certain thing especially with the show that we've got at the moment you know there's crazy monsters or or people might not be used to so we'll talk about how how best to deal with those but the general like day-to-day -day is mainly just giving feedback on shots um, even jumping into shots where needed or, or helping out with the team so it can be quite um quite varied from day to day but the general the general thing is to to review and feedback on on the fantastic work from the animation team that's amazing um so let's Come away from yourselves and let's get to advice giving um and why we're here um first question i have for you all what was one thing you wish you knew before you entered into the animation industry uh and then even more specific your current role from the step below um how things may have changed for you or things that you wish you knew before you stepped in to the role um any takers <laughs> bimpy um i guess for me because one that yeah one that's definitely kind of been important and really important for me um is that uh i'm trying to think of the best way to word it but that at most at least at some point um a lot of creatives have or do or will experience imposter syndrome and just that kind of idea and notion of kind of not being good enough or that you kind of think like oh I shouldn't be here and I think 
so when I first stepped into the industry and I was just like, oh my God, I'm shook right now. Like everyone is absolutely amazing. What am I doing here? I shouldn't be here because I'm not good enough. And I like for a while that it really kind of weighed down on me as well as a, f- a few other things, but that kind of weighed down on me quite a bit. And um, it was easy to think that I was the only one um, experiencing that. I didn't know, first I didn't even know that that was the word for it, but then also that other people, regardless of what level that you are at, will experience that. Like I was listening to a talk earlier with a director, a Hollywood director, and he literally just said the exact same thing. He's like, oh yeah, like I just had imposter syndrome on the last project that I was working on. And he's been in the industry for like 20, 30 years and he's directed like major films, won awards for all these films. And he was talking about it as well. And I was just like, yeah, that's something that I just um, hadn't expected. And so by the time it hit, it was in some ways it can be quite crippling. So I felt like um, if anything, it's more about knowing that. So it makes it easier to kind of get the support that you need potentially, um, whether just voicing that to friends or voicing that to colleagues and also just kind of giving yourself the time and also kind of giving yourself the space to be like, you know what, no, actually it's fine. I kind of deserve to be here and um, just kind of giving yourself some of that like self-care and affirmation because a lot of other creatives, most other creatives experience it at some point as well. And so it's not a space that you're alone in, essentially. That's amazing. Um, Zoran? Yeah, um, I just want to second that 100%. I think um, that really never goes away, that feeling of, um, you know, the imposter syndrome feeling. Um, And I think... um, One is is just to remind yourself that you're you're giving something to the company just as much as they're giving something to you. You know, you're not they're not doing you a favour. You know, you're providing a service, and to value and to you know um, remember that. You know, and that goes for when you're going to interviews, when you're in the job, and you're feeling a bit like you know um, I don't. You know, like you could even you're you're doing something for the company just as much as they're doing something for you by giving you a job. It's an exchange of skill for, you know, for remuneration. So just you know, um, like hold your head up when you go to interviews and and respect your your skill and and appreciate that you're you're coming with something to the interview. You're not sort of like on your knees, like hoping for like a, a job to be offered. You're bringing, you know, um, worth. Tanya? Um, I guess it does sort of fall off the back of what Zoran was just saying. I think, um, remember, it's a workplace. Remember, you're coming to work. Like, I think that's, it sounds quite pessimistic and a bit salty, but um, you should remember that it is, you know, even though animation can be really fun, it's a really nice place to be, it is a workplace. So you need to treat yourself like a business and you need to remember that you're going into a business it's your conduct and other people's needs to be taken relatively seriously um, and you should look out for yourself um, but you should also check yourself and make sure you're behaving as you should Um, yeah a couple of things I think I think the first one and the most important is like you know when you're hired first time in a studio like nobody expects you to know everything And even when you are experienced and you change studios, there are certain things that remain the same, but certain things are actually quite very different. 
So the best way of being able to operate in a studio is to ask questions and never make assumptions. Pravin knows this. Um, and just, oh, because I just kept saying, guys, ask me all the questions that you want, like, don't make assumptions, because if you make the wrong assumption, you can just go on a tangent and then, you know, it becomes a snowball and, or a massive miscommunication that then, you know, the, another team has to just like, you know, bring back and then put in order sort of thing. So, yeah, so don't, if people like, when you go into production, you usually start as a production assistant, like, don't expect to know everything you want you want and you are entitled to ask questions you know and every single question is valid from where's the toilet paper to like you know what time is my break or you know how do you put together an animatic because we all know the theory from university some of us didn't uh, or from books or whatever but like you know like i said like it's you know don't make assumptions as 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 whatever question you want to ask and your coordinator your manager your producer should be able to answer those the second thing that I would like to say, and this is something that I, you know, I had an interesting experience with people who came to the work experience in the studios that I've been, understand the hierarchies and, you know, when people are giving you work, like work experience is, is not as easy as say, oh yeah, just come, come and work for us. Like we have to outline a working plan. We have to take time of our schedules, you know, to be able to give you training and to make sure that you're supported. So you have a good experience. So hopefully you'll, jump in the industry so out of respect for that just make sure that you understand the hierarchy is like if somebody said that the director doesn't have time for you now but he will you you know with block an hour four to five and he'll give you feedback just don't go and talk to the director because that director has things to do has things to review that are under a lot of pressure um with a lot of deadlines so understanding the hierarchy who does what you know in the studio is very important and the third one is just like, you know, um, like what Soren was saying in your interviews, you're, you're interviewing for yourself, but you're also like interviewing the company as well. So ask questions. And one of the things that I would really, really recommend is a lot of people get very nervous because you get a little bit of stage fright. It's, you know, your first interviews, you forgot to ask the questions. Don't be like, you know, follow up. You know, if after you leave the interview, you have more questions, just, just follow up, send them an email and say, I said a couple of times, I was actually really nervous. And it's only until I digested what the job is going to be that all these questions came to mind. Is that okay? You know, and, and usually that communication really, really helps. Um, so yeah, but overall, like, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, you are not supposed to know everything. And I think people will really, really appreciate your honesty if you ask questions. So yeah, that's that. Let me go with Jamie. Oh, I've unmuted it. Yes. Um, I guess uh, the thing I would have, if I could go back and tell me before I went into the animation industry a piece of advice, it would probably would have been to not be so scared to network more and talk to people more. And funny enough, off the back of what was just said, ask questions. Um, I think I went I was too quiet for a little bit too long and I should have I should have put myself out there more. Um yeah, I think that's what I would have probably liked to have known. Ravine? Um God, I really don't know. Right? Um I guess uh it's pretty much what Bimpy said, really, the idea of being nervous in your first day, thinking, oh, you know, you, you haven't got the confidence to 
to do this job. But I think that was how I felt like when I started my first job, in fact. And Paula knows this a little bit, I guess. But um, but it was just really nerve wracking. But then eventually, you just realize to yourself. I kind of realized to myself, like you know, you're here. Just get on with it. And if you do have any questions, don't don't hesitate to ask. Um, I still remember Paula giving me that <laughs> advice about assumptions. She and I quote: She did say, "Assumptions are the mother of all f-ups." <laughs> but <laughs> that's what she said, and uh, it, it took it to heart. And uh, but uh, it was a great advice. But it really was. And I think I wish I had known that before I started. So yeah, and um, yeah, and in terms of what uh, Jamie said about networking, yeah, do not be afraid to, you know, approach someone because we're all. We're all we're all normal people at the end of the day. It's just you know have, it's just pretty much having a conversation with somebody, and that's how I think of it. Every time I go to networks, you're just having a conversation with somebody. Other than just work, you're just talking about other things. So it's it's no different to networking is no different to having a conversation with someone who you know. With Bimpy. Sorry, I did have another one. Um, yeah, one that I, I wish I'd kind of known um, slightly earlier, which I've had to learn and I'm still learning sometimes as well, is to kind of also still just look after yourself when you first join the industry, because there's so much that you want to do. You want to impress people. You want to make sure you're getting things right, which, again, where things like asking questions and voicing things are really important. But I think with that comes with when you're kind of not doing those things and you're like, I need to work hard. I need to get it all right. Sometimes um I think it's easy to find yourself staying like super, super late, like hours later than you kind of need to, working much later than you need to, and kind of just letting your kind of maybe your physical and mental health slip a little bit. And that only kind of harms you in the in the now and also in the long run. You will be more effective personally and for your wider team and therefore the company if you're able to look after yourself and take those breaks and to not like be working from like 8 a.m. till 5 a.m. and like get the rest that you need especially early on because it's essentially a marathon it's not a sprint if you want to be kind of like in the, this industry vfx or animation for as long as possible then being able to manage that time and look after yourself is really really important as it is we're looking at screens most of the day we're sat down most of the day so if on top of that we're not moving we're not eating we're not getting adequate rest that is going to lead to burnout much much quicker and you could find that the 20 year like the 20 years that you wanted in the industry could easily go down to two years just because you're completely burnt out so it's yeah it's important to look after yourself especially when you like all the way through the industry but like just remember it importantly when you first start because it's so easy to want to be like well I want to do this I want to do that um but yeah look after yourself and in doing so you'll enjoy the process a whole lot more. Anya? I'm just I really want to quickly just like pick up on a few things um Definitely, definitely what Bimpy just said. I remember a time quite early on in my career where I felt like I had to stick with something, even though it was really, uh, really damaging to my mental health and it did not end well. Um, so really do look after yourself. Um, but then picking up on what Praveen said as well, and I really want to emphasise this, is when you're going to networking events, he's absolutely right. It's a conversation. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've met students who it's so obvious they're looking to find out if you're an important person and if you're not they just drop you and then they walk off you want to establish those good relationships from the outset so you know I know networking is quite intimidating and it's quite difficult but 
if you do just treat it like a conversation and a casual conversation, you'll probably end up being more memorable and more personable to whoever's working on a production already. And that will probably benefit you more than you actually going up to somebody and trying to find out if they're valuable to you or not and making that blatantly obvious. Um, and then just lastly, um, that's basically what Paula said, but definitely be open to learning new things and receiving feedback. I've have worked with people who don't want to hear the feedback I give them, even if I'm giving them something that impacts the entire pipeline after them. And I'm trying to explain that, but they, if you don't want to hear that, then I can't work with you because you are causing so many problems for everybody else further down the production pipeline. Um, somebody like me will have to go in and fix it if you're refusing to do so and I will remember that and I won't recommend you for any other work so do remember that whoever you're working with around you will recommend you for the next job so you know remember that when you're working. Paula? Yeah, one of the things that I also wanted to say is that not, not everybody in animation is built for studio work. Um, I've seen, you know, like, or heard about, you know, stories where like somebody goes into a job and it doesn't work out because, I don't know, because sometimes it's also about chemistry. Like, are you in the right studio? Are you working with people that you click or do you connect with the show? Like, you know, do you, I mean, can you get the creative vision that they're, you know, like there's, there's so many variables, you know, so sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I heard of so many people that they just, is that oh just you know I, I cannot do this anymore is that well hold on a second you don't have to work in a studio you don't have to work in series you can go and work in advertising agencies like you know making making digital animation you can freelance for yourself like there's other options that is not like I'm gonna grow, like work in an amazing show for that this big broadcaster whatever so just don't give up just like just you know when you're in the situation just evaluate and say can I learn from this situation? Is it affecting my, my health? Is it affecting my mind? If it is, please reach to your production, you know, team, because like, obviously, you know, nobody wants to find out that somebody is struggling, but if, at the end of the day, it doesn't work out. Just like, you know, digest it, you know, it's like food. Like I always said that experiences are like food. You, you digest them and then, you know, you take with yourself the good and then you poop the bad and you just keep going to the next one. And, you know, and this, this is how it works. And so you yeah, don't get discouraged if you out of uni, like you, you find, you know, like your first job was not what you were expecting because whatever happens, you know, it's going to be part of your life. It's going to be part of your life experience, you know, and it will just take you somewhere that it will be quite interesting for you. So, yeah, that's what I want to say. Bimpy? Uh, just to touch on something that Tanya was saying as well about, being kind of personable and you never know who you're going to come across and um, the industries as a whole like VFX and animation is still kind of actually quite relatively small like a lot of people have worked with a lot of people or there's crossovers or they've heard of a lot of people so like if people are if if you're kind of um, somebody that's difficult to work with and you're applying for somebody out and um, for somewhere else the chances are that somebody may have heard of you and that can have an effect potentially on you then being part of that other company. Um, but also to say, um, just wanted to say that 
be open to what your options may look like in terms of how you enter the industry. Because as I said, I, I knew where I wanted to go, but the door that was currently open for me at that time, because I was still growing as an artist, I still was developing and learning about the pipeline. My entryway was in was starting as work experience and then through to a runner. So that was the path that worked for me. I think be open to what those paths are. Don't just kind of say, well, it's obviously it's good to be like, well, I definitely want to be like an animator, a concept artist or a modeler. Definitely have that. That's amazing. Um, but it could be that your way into that might take a slightly different route and be don't knock that route. Don't close the door because it doesn't immediately look like what you think it's going to be, because you're going to progress through your career anyway as you move through. And by having these other um, experiences, you're still learning and developing a lot um, within that skill set. But then also, again, with what Tanya said, like you never know who you're going to meet and speak to because it was through me kind of being as um, work experience, being trying to be personable, kind of trying to help as much as possible. That's how they remembered me. And then that's why they then contacted me to come back as a runner because they remembered how helpful I was trying to be and kind of talking to people, that kind of thing. And then also then having conversations that I had with the woman that was then able to recommend me for the art assistant position in the art department. And that was just, again, through me just having conversations with her, again, kind of talking to people at the studio, helping people. So other people will want to help you in return. Other people will kind of want to help support you on your journey and on your career whilst you're at your workplace. So, yeah. um, so I can also, uh, Jamie and Praveen mentioned it, but yeah, networking for me has been vital. I think most of my jobs uh, have come through from networking rather than applying directly. Um, and just to say to sort of the graduates coming out of uni to remember that your network is also your fellow students. So, you know, when it comes to like helping information, because one day someone remember that your, your first network is essentially your, your Praveen said as well, you know, they're just, uh, when you go to these networking events, everyone's just normal people, you know, it's just about meeting people and talking. It's not like a business deal. You're not talking to some, you know, company faces. You're just talking to a festival. You're there because you love animation. You're going to touch them like, like that. Um, so, yeah. Jamie? Um... I guess uh, the thing that I guess I would say is just being a nice person to work with. And it seems obvious. It does seem obvious. But actually, the people who are the nicest to work with, who work hard and are passionate, are the ones who keep getting work. Um, and at the end of the day, if you can have any of these things, I think you'll be just fine. Um, yeah. I'll go with Paula. Thank you. Um, I think what Jamie says is very true. And from a, from the point of view of the line producer who has to recruit and, you know, like sometimes, you know, where like you, you bring back people that you work with and then, you know, sometimes you have to open, you know, like, you know, to, to new people, which is brilliant. But um, I'll, I mean, maybe this is me, but I'll get, if I have to choose between someone who's extremely talented but that brings a lot of politics to the projects, to someone that is really nice to work with and someone that I can nurture the talent into like being brilliant, I'll choose the, that person, like that diamond in the rough a million times. Because when you're working in animation, it's teamwork, it's teamwork. And having a person that is constantly, 
you know, there's, there's these artists that I don't know why, like they always have this, you know, this battle, like is the artist against production? No, it isn't. It really truly isn't. Like it's part of the same team. And I had a couple of experiences where you just have, you know, like, like people that just like, I'm never going to work with you again. And I'm just going to make sure that any of my projects, like you are just not going to be in it because you have, I mean, I think having that, you know, that toxic environment is not good for anybody. So for me, like, you know, having people who are able to talk their problems through because animation is not perfect, you're going to come up with a lot of challenges, situations that could be handled better, but they couldn't because you're always in a rush. Like I always take people that can be mature enough to just sit around, have a conversation and come with, I mean, come uh, to solutions together than someone that is super arty, like super talented and that just creates a bad environment. And that's a producer's point of view. <laughs> uh, so yeah, remember that, basically. Let me go with Praveen and then we'll move on from these questions because we've got a few questions that have come in. So I want to get those answered as well in the time that we have. So Praveen. Yeah, uh, I'll be brief. Um, pretty much uh, what Jamie and Paula said, you must always be nice, you know, be really nice and you will get to places that people will recognize you. Um, but it's also as well, I know people when, certainly when people in the animation, in the animation courses, they always want to dream of going to Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, you know, that that's fine. You know, reach for the stars. It's not a problem, but there's no problem as well starting from the ground up. In other words, like, you know, it, you will get experience, you know, even with my job as a 2D render, it was starting from the ground. It's, it was my foot at the door. I was very lucky enough to work at Brownback and Brownback Films and uh, their second studio, Manchester, because I am from Manchester, but I kept tabs on that. But at the same time, I was also freelancing for uh, other people doing odd jobs now and then and learning failure. Failure is, do not be afraid to fail. It is the best thing that you will, you can get out of it. It makes you stronger and it'll, it'll, it certainly will, it makes you also realize that, yeah, you've made mistakes, but you can learn from them. So that's the best thing I would say, like, just uh, do not be afraid to fail and be nice. That's amazing. Actually, to what Praveen has just said, I'll add my little tidbit. Um, smaller studios, you will be able to learn more. And because everybody's all in one space, it tends to be much easier to get to where you want to get to and ask the questions that you want to ask. So, I get Disney and Pixar is glamorous, but the smaller studios is where you will really get your teeth in and genuinely get to experience a lot more of the production as a whole. And seeing the pipeline all on one floor sometimes is amazing and you should take advantage of that. But to the questions. Um, so uh, a question that we received through Instagram was, um, any recommendations for resources we can use? So these are coming from students who have now left, who don't have the funds to obviously pay for the really nice packages and softwares. Um, any tips and tricks um, of how to find these resources? Tanya? Um, there's, there's loads of stuff online. Um, I would definitely recommend looking at screen skills and keeping an eye out for courses on things that you you might be interested in learning. Only last year I went on a, 
um, Toon Boom course at Sun and Moon Studios in Bristol, and I managed to get a bursary for that. It does depend on your skill level, but there are different sort of bursaries for people from different levels, so definitely check that out. Um, I definitely would say, like, try YouTube, things like that, just, like... But for me, I, I mean, I... I'm getting, I guess I'm older than a lot of people coming into the industry now. And I guess tutorials and things weren't such a big thing when I was a student. But um, if learning from people's work that you really love is a really good way, I think, of building your portfolio and sort of understanding more about what you want to do. I think I really suggest to people to avoid thinking they have to put everything in their portfolio or if. Like, for example, when I was younger, I really thought that I would have to try and build up a portfolio like a Pixar concept artist or something. But I'm not naturally very good at that. And a lot of my work comes off the back of the things that I am naturally very good at, which is humour and making kind of like weird things. And that's generally where I get my paid work from. And I don't have to try and be anything different because that's what makes me stand out from everyone else. Um, but also, you know, your peers are really good, useful people good resources um, if you have a friend who knows something I've, I do skill trades with my friends so I taught one of my friends how to um, how to use Photoshop in a more complicated way and then he taught me how to use uh, Adobe Animate so you can do things like that um, but also you know ask colleagues if you're in work then ask a member of staff that you really respect or you like their work or they've been working a long time and see what they say um, I think it's really important that you take on board uh, feedback and also learn to recognise constructive feedback from something that's just not going to really help you. Um, I've, I've had a lot of both over the years um, and it does take some time to recognise when it's going to help you and when it's just going to hinder you, but um, you will learn it eventually. Paula? So on that note, I wanted to say that um, there's an organi organization in Ireland, and I think it's called Screens, let me check because I have it in my browser, Screens, Screen Skills Ireland. Um, and they do tons and tons of courses uh, for animation. Um, and they are actually quite affordable. And sometimes if you get a membership, um, you get a discount as well. Like maybe you can get a bursary from Screen Skills England to your, um, to Ireland and now because everything is over Zoom, um, it is much easier. Like before I used to fly to Dublin for like the weekend, do the course and then come back. Um, so that, and then, um, yeah, like just keep keep your eyes peeled for like, you know, for forums and networking sessions. But like, I think people don't use um, our screen agencies as much as they should. Um, I think we don't have those things in Spain at all. And when I came you know, to the UK, I was amazed that there were organizations supporting film and television. Like I was like, what is that about? Um, so I use them all, like all the time. Um, so yeah, and, and you know, they're there for that. So just contact them and see you know, if they can you know, put you in tune with a mentor as well. I think Screen Skills has mentorships as well. Um, and yeah, just keep asking questions. Like, you know, again, I just keep going about asking questions, but ask people. Because um, whenever I want to do something or learn something, I just put it out there and people are always willing to help. So, so it's true. Like I, I said, oh, I want to be this and that. And they'll be like, oh, why don't you speak to so-and-so? So it actually works, but you have to put yourself out there. 
the COVID BIMP here? Um, in terms of things like free resources, especially coming from a VFX background, because we work predominantly in 3D, but then also there's 2D elements. Um, things like um, Blender, if you're looking to kind of like um, build assets or if you want to do concept design or even animate, you can do that in Blender and it's open source and it's totally free. Um, there is also GIMP, excuse the name, but um, that's kind of like a photo manipulation software. So it's kind of works like Photoshop. The interface is a little bit, well, no, the interface is pretty much the same, but it's just different skin essentially. Um, so if you don't have the funds or the means to be able to access something like Photoshop, then at least with something like, if you're using something like GIMP, it's still the exact same principles. You're still painting, you're still drawing, you're still sketching. And then if you're able to then use Photoshop at some point, you're just transferring those skills. All you need to figure out is where which button is, but essentially everything is also the same. Um, and again, yeah, things like YouTube, where there's loads of like free tutorials. And again, if you're looking at more, um, 3D stuff. Um, I literally just um, today signed up to because I'm always constantly learning. So um, I just signed up to a free like ZBrush character sculpting course um, with Vertex School, I think it's called. So there's loads of free kind of software out there. And now as well, with everyone being kind of locked down, obviously not under ideal circumstances, but there are a lot more events happening like that are more accessible for people in terms of, as like as Paula said, you don't have to travel somewhere or you're not limited by times or the days. It's literally just, okay, I just need to jump onto Zoom or Google Meet or whatever. So just look around for those, which whatever ones are free that you can be part of. Because again, that's also a good way to network. You can ask people questions. You can then like follow some of the people on like Instagram Instagram or whatever they have and also a lot of people I think it's said, been said already, already like a lot of people are willing to also reply so just you never know what's going to happen you never know who's going to bite so don't be afraid to just drop a message like drop a dm just be like thank you I saw this etc etc is it okay if this that and that like either you'll get no response or somebody will say no or they'll say yes and so the chances of somebody saying yes I think are relatively high so um you might as well just see what happens like you can't really go wrong and um, but yeah so just kind of keep engaging where possible and making new contacts through that as well and because as has been said people are really good resources amazing so we've got a couple of questions that have come in um question from jody which kind of links to what this time how has production changed during the product uh pandemic and coronavirus um how are we working what are the differences between working in a studio and now working um I think from home most of us anyone want we'll go with power I think for me is is I think I think we're very lucky that you know we are still able to work from home and it's, it's incredible the amount of shows that have been greenlit since March I just cannot believe it like I've never had so many people contacting me for work in my life ever. Um, but I think it's, it's, it just makes the, the communication process longer because like, you know, some like before, like, can, can you come and see something on my screen and you'll just go to check and, and, and now it's like, you have to block the time, you have to share the screens and so on. I also think that for people who are starting in the industries it's quite challenging because you do learn a lot from sitting next to someone um, it is challenging, but not impossible. So whoever is in that situation, keep breathing because we're all on this together. And like I said, if you're struggling or in any sort, like mentally or physically, just talk to your supervisor because this is our, these are very odd circumstances that we're living in. So 
And I think we all have to be a little bit more patient, you know, and even though schedules are the way they are and money doesn't grow on trees and the budget dictates the schedule, um, we're still humans and, you know, we still, you know, like there's going to be, there's days that I'm like in my room and I'm like, oh, how I miss being in the studio just for a laugh, like water cooler conversation kind of thing. Um, and it's, yeah, but I think in terms of, pipeline I think I don't know like I I feel like we all adapted quite well um like I still can't believe that I can like log into my computer at work from my house like I think it's like magic elves you know like sorting out for me because I still cannot get my head around it um but yeah we'll go with Jamie um so I guess networking at the moment isn't easy because of COVID so you sort of are reduced to the internet um, so that's really your biggest obstacle. But I still think some of the same things you sh still should be thinking about doing, building a uh, reputation and still having conversations with people. Um, there are people at the end of the day and uh, uh, starting a, a conversation with someone who uh, has some of the same interests as you um, is probably still a good way to find work. Um I imagine there's still uh, jobs with entry-level positions and things like that. For instance, in storyboarding, uh, not I didn't do this, but um, I know a few of my friends were storyboard revisionist first. And every so often I do see the odd job that comes up in terms of storyboard revisions. Um, and I think in terms of the question before about having whether there's any recommendations for resources, I actually didn't learn storyboarding mainly from a course or anything like that, though I did go on courses. Um, there were a few uh, places where people put up uh, really good information on storyboarding. For instance, um, if you're interested in doing storyboards for TV, there's a website called Fluby Newbie, which has pages and pages of storyboard advice, and it talks you through screen direction, screen sides, uh, composition, all sorts of things. And it's actually pretty interesting for anyone who wants to learn about filmmaking. Um, I also suggest CGMA, just because storyboarding is such a, a weird position to get into with a lot of responsibility and not everyone gets the opportunity to do it. Um, I count myself quite fortunate. Um, I think the art center is another good place. Um, and YouTube, really. There's a lot of good YouTubers who do have storyboard accounts who teach you all sorts of basic skills. And actually, in that sense, it's less about the program you're using and more about the skill set. If you can show that you can show your um, your understanding uh, of filmmaking in the work that you've done, as opposed to the program you use, I think that would go further. Bimpy. Uh, yeah, I think personally, like, um, I guess we've adapted quite well and quite quickly and our tech teams were amazing um, in that aspect. They were able to get things up and running like really, really quickly. Um, as has been said, I guess that it's, it's the issues are then come because everybody's personalities are different as well. Um, so if you're introverted or extroverted, obviously, if you're more extroverted, then it's more then it's more challenging because you're used to 
like you get your energy from being around other people and you also give other people energy so to kind of be cut off from that and um, can be really really difficult so everybody's needs are going to be different depending on that and so I think the main takeaway I've had for me personally has been I guess the importance of um, again looking after yourself and setting that routine and then also um encouraging that amongst your teammates and then also hopefully the company being able to encourage that and I think that's going to be one of the main um, one of the main challenges that companies will face in general because this is where I guess we're what we're six seven months into this now and we still don't really we still won't really know what those long-term effects are on us mentally everyone that is still working from home and um what that will look like for kind of not necessarily always being able to be in contact with people all the time and um, so I think being able to kind of look after yourself in that aspect is important but then also um, I think what it's also done is potentially widen the scope a little bit in terms of maybe job opportunities in that um, you could be working for a country uh, you could be working for a company in Ireland but still be based in London so there are more remote working opportunities potentially so I think obviously there are um there'll be issues in terms of well, are the jobs available but I think if, if you're kind of wanting to get into work I think now maybe don't be afraid to apply to those places that you may not have necessarily applied to before because you wouldn't have had the means to move or you might not have been able to move a lot of these companies now are specifically looking for people that are able to work remotely so that could potentially widen your pool of applying for places from it just being in like London or Liverpool to now like London Liverpool and Manchester and Sheffield so yeah we'll go with Praveen yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> obviously, COVID has made a huge impact on our lives, of course, as you know, it's it's a huge thing. But I mean, we're a bit lucky in the sense that in the animation industry, we can, once say carry, we could carry on as normal. Obviously, the biggest difference is that we're working from home. You know, that's the big thing, um, you know, and um, but I mean, especially if you think about the NHS and the government adverts that came out at the beginning of lockdown, most of them were animation. So, you know, we people are still asking to you know to produce adverts but we can we do it in animation format so there is a big change that has happened and in terms of working remotely now um what i what i hope is that that some of the animation industries even though people want to work in-house of course you, you do want to have that communication inside it's easy kind of like what paula said it's easy for if you're having a problem you can just you know tap on the person next to person next to you and say oh you know can you just look at this you know we we miss that communication that that is that we do miss that and it's difficult now especially but we still get around with it um um but it's it, it is it is difficult times of course you know but um and i feel i, I do really feel i feel for the students particularly now who've come back from uni especially those who graduated now and trying to find a job in the street. I, I would just say, just don't give up really. I mean, it is now working. It is difficult now, especially these events now. And I'm really grateful to Cardiff Animation Festival for doing this really, you know, and, you know, and it's, uh, it's great to have this, but it has, uh, sorry, I forgot the question was <laughs> of going off of it. Was, it was a advice. Uh, no, it was just <laughs> changes. Um, <laughs> during corona like this and sorry i'm i i've lost where i am sorry i've been <laughs> <laughs> let me just move no, it on praveen katanya yeah, don't yeah, worry about fine. it <laughs> um yeah so i guess for for us it's everything's moved out of the studio and we're doing everything remotely now um 
it's it's been nice in some ways because I live in Greater London. It usually took me about an hour and a half each way to commute to work, and I don't have to do that anymore, which is nice. But obviously, I miss seeing my colleagues quite a lot, and there's a lot of networking that gets done in the studio, so that's that's been quite difficult. And um, I think everyone's been feeling the stress of this and finding it difficult. So it's it's putting a strain on everybody. But I think. Um, again coming off what Praveen said but obviously this is a really horrible time for students if you graduated in the summer this has been a really tricky time to find work and to understand what to do next and if you're thinking about going to university then you know again that's completely knocked all your plans out of the park so my one bit of advice I know this wasn't a question about advice but I think I hope this is helpful to people is if you're building up a portfolio and you feel like you've got time don't put pressure on yourself because you just don't need that right now but make sure whatever you're doing if you're being creative like do stuff you enjoy I can't stress that enough like like I was saying about my portfolio like the stuff I'm not good at and I thought I should do I did not enjoy at all and it was always the worst work that I made and it would never make it in my portfolio because it was just bad so definitely focus on the things that you enjoy and what you love about animation and build on that don't waste your time worrying about what people are going to think if you don't spend time doing a pixar turnaround or whatever you know just look after yourself it's, yeah paula and just to reiterate like you know like i graduated in the recession so it was very, very hard to have to find a job in 2008 and 2009 and 2010. But, uh, but I managed. And a lot of people like me managed as well. And it's just like, again, like, you know, there's been quite a few cities being greenlit in the UK in the past, you know, I don't know, in the past month even. And I've been helping some of the producers that I know recruiting certain positions as well. So I know they are recruiting in its early stages. You know, but there will be jobs coming up and and take the opportunity, you know, to work with people in different countries. It doesn't even have to be the UK. I know sometimes for tax purposes, it's a little bit funny where you're based. But like I've been freelancing like, you know, in the month of like August and September for studios like in Scotland, in the UK, in Ireland. And it's just been great because I wouldn't have been able to do that before. So just there are jobs out there. So <laughs> you are going to find one if you want one. So, yeah, keep at it. Definitely. Um, just to touch on something briefly, um, what Praveen said, um, and also with what Tanya said as well, actually, like in terms of, I guess, use this, using this time to where you can still create and create things that you enjoy, but also in terms of building your portfolio, like link up with your course mates link up with your friends who are creators as well like start create your own projects during this time you don't need to kind of wait on the studio or wait on the place to kind of um be creating be making these things like if you're a writer and you kind of want to be working for a studio writing then team up maybe with some of the animators or illustrators that you know like form your own things and there are so many platforms that you can release these things out on like just create your own projects this stuff will then feed into your portfolio as well but then also you'll still be learning you'll still be creating you'll still be engaging with what it is that you're doing and who knows by the end of it you might not even need to, to be part of a studio but um but yeah still try and create um but again like make sure that you're taking care of yourself but yeah don't be afraid to link up with people that you know or just reach out to other people that you know that might be looking to work on um various projects guys 
One last question. I don't know if I should... Yes, one last question. Um, what brought you guys into the animation industry? What brought us into yes. the animation industry? It's, it's no longer about advice. I like to leave on a like, happy, light note, mm. <laughs> usually. Um, so, um, yeah, Paula, I'll go with you first. So what brought me to the animation industry, like, um, was learning the process, you know, from an advertising point of view. Like, I realized that animation has everything that I love. It, um, I love children's books, like, since an early, obviously since an early age, but um, I used to proofread my auntie's uh, children's books. She's an author back home. Um, and then, you know, animation is a combination of design. It's a combination of story, but also sound design. Um, and it just, it just combines all the things that I always loved together. So being a line producer is, is great because you get to, like, you know, organize every single step of the pipeline that I absolutely love because they all they require so much skill and talent. And I think, you know, in animation is like, you know, you have to create every single thing. Everything has to be thought of, everything has to be designed, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a really massively creative industry. Hmm. Let me go with Tanya next. Um, really similar to Paula. Um, I was funny because today somebody I saw on Twitter was talking about what A-levels they did and how it relates to what they do now. And my A-levels were music, art, media and theatre studies. Um, and actually, when I was doing my A-levels, I didn't actually even think of animation as a career. I'd never thought of it. It was only when I was applying to university, I just happened to be scrolling down the UCAS list and I saw animation and it was like a light bulb moment where you're just like, oh yeah, of course animation. Like, I've always loved it. So that's kind of why I, I, I picked it because it was just, it's like an accumulation of everything that I love because like, you know, it's about drawing or model making, it's about film, but it's also about like rhythm and understanding things, you know, like comedic timing, all that kind of stuff and storytelling. Um, and I think what's kept me in it, even though sometimes I've, I have questioned it, um, it still seems like magic to me, like, cause I'm not the best animator, but the one that I see stuff like, I'm working with Zora now and the stuff Cloth Cat are doing, they send it back and you see your designs moving. It's really, really rewarding. It's really exciting. Um, it will always surprise you what other people, what other really talented people are capable of doing. Uh, similar to what's been said already, to be quite honest, like um, personally, I've always just loved visual imagery and I've always loved storytelling and it's something as I said it was something that I always wanted to do but my parents were like no um but obviously it was clearly something that I could never give up and I've yeah I just love all elements of it I love how a picture can move I love how a still picture is able to tell a story in across multiple ways across multiple layers I just think there's something um so powerful about that and and things move and change and develop so so quickly but I think I don't know just the process that goes into creating like these images or into animation or into visual effects I think is like for not to be too cheesy but I just feel like there is something that is magical like it like it really really is brilliant I think it's a beautiful process to see it's a beautiful process to be a part of and 
because I know like remembering like this is it like I want to be in visual effects like seeing all these films and being like oh my god like I want to be part of that process these things that I've read have come to life these characters that I love have come to life and there is just something that really appeals to your inner child that I think your inner child will always love and always want to engage with. <laughs> we'll go with Jamie. Um, I guess, uh, I guess when I was, I mean, everyone watches cartoons and animated films and films in general when they're a child, but I think through adolescence, uh, I just carried on watching cartoons. And I think that there was a point when I was having pretty severe mental health issues where actually a lot of cartoons were something that I could sort of lose myself in. And I watched the special features of a, um, an animated feature film one day, and I had no idea how incredible the process was. And I just completely fell in love with it. I was trying to find information about it everywhere. And the thing is, then the internet wasn't quite what it is now. So I was trying to find information from the scraps of books and photocopying stuff and yeah, and it just led one thing onto another. I just decided, I saw, I think on the front of a magazine, actually, I was on a train, I saw the front of a magazine, there was Wallace and Gromit. And they mentioned that it, uh, that, that Wallace and Gromit is made in Bristol. And I thought, oh, I'll just go there. I'll go there to study animation. So that's what I did. I was very focused very early on. Um, yeah. We'll go with Praveen. Yeah, pretty much what Jamie said, really. I mean, it all starts from watching cartoons and animated films. And I was uh, I was kind of lucky to be born in an era where, you know, we I was watching the Disney Renaissance films, you know, from The Mermaid right up to, you know, Lion King and so on and so forth. And it wasn't, and then, but it was the making of the films that really caught my eye, especially the making of Aladdin. That really caught my attention, thinking, wow, this is what these people do for a living. This is fantastic. This is where I want to go into. And I, I knew then that I wanted to work in the animation industry from around about 12, 13. I knew then. So I just really focused my, and I was luckily good at art as well. So I just managed to do that. And then, but it's it's surreal. Like, I think like when I first worked at Brown Bag, I think Paula will remember this as well. Like um, we were watching the first, the very first episode that we did on Nella the Princess Knight, the, the first animation pass watching that after all these people after like doing the pre-production and seeing the animation pass what these guys had done and then we do seeing the compositing pass and it's just thinking wow this is this is you know i've, I've <laughs> this is like surreal so it was really cool and it's and it's it's still mind-blowing like when i uh work on shows or something like that then we see the full pass whether it's the animation pass compositing or the full sound music pass it's just like wow, I just, you know, all that stress is worth, was worth it in the end. <laughs> so it's, I get a great kick out of it. <laughs> it's all right. I, I just wanted to, I, I've had to switch from my computer setup to the mobile, just to give an example of how COVID has affected the industry. Um, you've got to have a good internet connection, people. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, mine's been a bit ropey. Um, so I'm on the mobile now. But um yeah, basically, uh, for me, I've always loved drawing ever since I was a kid. Um, 
and also, as, as has been mentioned, the magic of animation and how those drawings can come to life just by, you know, slowly changing the position of the drawing. You know, when I was a kid, I used to do um, like really rudimental blue tack uh, stop motion. Um, but back then, you know, not knowing about timing or anything like that, you know, it was just like a crazy mess moving around the, uh, the camera and, and also not having the ability to pause a frame for the length of a frame. We had this old camcorder where you had to sort of press play pause, play pause like that. And so, you know, some frames were longer than others. Some frames I didn't even pause it. So my hand would come in and I'd be tweaking it. And, you know, it was it was that early sort of magic that drew me into it. And then, you know, I just sort of went along with it, you know, and ended up in 2D in uh, where I am now. So yeah, magic, I guess. Amazing. Um... And that's it. Uh, we've gone over, <laughs> but um, I think we could all talk for forever. Uh, and I do appreciate you guys all joining me today. Um, it was great seeing faces and talking to people um, and not my siblings, because yes, we are all stuck inside um, every day down there. So yes. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's the end from us. Thank you all so much. That was brilliant. It was so great to hear all your different journeys into the industry. And you all shared such great thoughtful insight and advice. Thanks so much. Um, I totally agree what a lot of you guys have said about this being a particularly hard time for students and new graduates. I just want to echo what Bimpy and Tanya both said about looking after yourself and your mental health however you need to at the moment if you're a student and new graduate. Um, and if you are and if you want to reach out and talk to us about any sorts of events you think would help you at the moment please do message us or email us and on that note um, I think you probably have seen but Abigail Addison from Screen Skills has put a resource in the chat um, a mentoring scheme that Screen Skills are doing so that's awesome thanks so much Abigail um, this is available online until Sunday night and I think I'm right in saying it's also going to be available via visual, visible and visuals afterwards Okay, awesome. So if um, if you know anyone who you think should be here, uh, then point them here or point them to Visible and Visuals and they can catch up with the conversation afterwards. And I hope you all enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. There's a feedback form link in the chat. Uh, so let us know what you thought. Um, it really helps us keep running events like this. M massive thanks to all of you guys. You've been brilliant. And thanks to our funder sponsors and patrons for making this possible. And thanks to all of you for joining.